Delta. It's been a while since I've played him on the show, and I am all about Jonathan right now because last night I was lucky enough to go see him back on stage performing live here in Los Angeles, and it fucking rocked. Uh, That dude is a goddamn rock star, and I had so much fucking fun uh, watching him perform. He's performing with uh, A Band Apart and Dead X Life. Everybody was fantastic. The venue was fantastic. It was super safe. Um, Going into a spot that uh, required vaccinations. If you didn't have a vaccination, you had to wear your mask. I still wore my mask the entire time um, because uh, I'm recording this episode on Thursday, the 23rd. uh, And I'm excited because my brother, who I haven't seen in almost three years is flying in today um, and I didn't want to take any chances. So whatever fucking prick was at the venue that was like, what do you not trust us? You got to wear your fucking mask before you open your mouth. (laughs) Understand that people have lives. Understand that people have a whole lot of shit going on. Understand that I might be carrying a pipe. (laughs) It smashed your face. You don't know. And I get it. 
I open my mouth all the time. I do it on the show. We talk about stuff. We get so heated. We get so passionate about the bullshit that's in our fucking feeds. We get so crazy about that stuff that we feel like we have to yell and scream it out into the world. And just know, like if someone's wearing a mask, they're not judging you for wearing the mask. For all you know, I might have COVID. Maybe I'm wearing the mask to protect you. And I'm not getting crazy about anti-maskers or any of that stuff. To each their own. Do your thing. You should probably be looking out for the general public, but do what it is that you got to do. Whatever the fuck it is that you got to do. But just remember that everybody has their own lives. Everybody has their own shit planned. Everybody has their own things happening. Their own stress is happening. I constantly have to remind myself of this. Even if I'm just driving and I get all pissed off at the car in front of me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it's like, okay, maybe they're speeding because their wife is in labor in a hospital. Or maybe, uh, you know, they're like not paying attention to what's going on because they just got broken up with or they just got fired from their job. Or maybe they didn't get much sleep. Maybe they had four hours of sleep last night. And that's why they're suddenly doing a crazy fucking U-turn in front of me. Maybe that's what all that stuff is. <laughs> Coming out hot today. <laughs> so yeah, I went and saw uh, Big Black Delta last night. Uh, really great show. Um, I think this is my second time seeing him. Second or third time. Um, and this time he pull out, pulled out all the stops. He had a band with him. He had his bassist. And he had uh, his badass drummer. And I, I can't remember what her name is right now but she's bad fucking ass she's like this tiny little lady that has like arms of steel and she just fucking rocked it man it was such a great great live show i cannot say enough really good things about it jonathan like the presence is fantastic um the lighting was fantastic all strobe stuff so uh uh, people that uh, are affected by strokes and seizures, beware. Um, and uh, I took a bunch of video stuff without being rude because I hate that shit. I just wanted to enjoy the show, but I took a couple clips of the video from it and uh, I've been posting them on my Instagram. It is as cool as those fucking videos are. And if uh, Jonathan continues, I don't know if he's going to do a tour. I haven't talked to him about it yet. But if he's going to do a tour, I fucking highly recommend you go because it is fantastic. Great show. Um, and so I'm going to be playing some big, uh, blah. I'm going to be playing some big black Delta during this episode just because I got so fucking hyped about it. And you know, what was, you know, what sucked is that uh, one of the, <laughs> one of the smaller issues that happened when we went into quarantine was that a lot of artists put out new music. I know Jonathan put out a full album. Uh, our friend B. Miller put out a full album. A lot of artists put out music at that time period and they weren't able to tour with it. They weren't able to support uh, those albums. And uh, it was awesome to hear all that new music that I have been listening to for over a year uh, actually played live. And the difference between, this is what I really like about what Jonathan does. His albums are so immaculate, immaculately produced. They, they sound phenomenal. You guys heard the opening track, right? Sound fucking fantastic. He knows that performing it is different than what produced score or soundtrack sounds like. And so he changes it up. He actually did a bunch of really great guitar stuff, um, a bunch of like heavy metal guitar riffs, threw out a lot of these tracks and sang them differently. So um, it was awesome. The moments where you wanted to sing along and the moment that, that most of the audience wanted to just sort of get into that chorus, he had it there for you. And then he would just change up the song. So it would surprise you. Um, and it was it was just a great, great, great experience. Uh, I haven't had a concert experience like that in a while. So big shout out. Thank you so much to Big Black Delta. Thank you so much to Dead X Life for uh, having me and Gina there last night. So much fucking fun. Um, okay. So <clears throat> let's get into it. Today's episode... I have a lot to talk about. Um, there's big news happening right now in the industry. And I just feel like from the outside, a lot of folks don't understand it. And I'll be honest with you, I actually had to talk to a lot of the people that work 
in the industry that understand it more than I do, just so I can wrap my head around it. So I'm going to try to talk a little bit about what's happening with the IATSE strike. And uh, what you hear a lot is you're lucky enough to work in that business. You're fortunate enough to get a film made. You're, you're lucky enough to be in that position. And this is a tough thing. It's a tough thing for me to talk about on the show because I'm always concerned about uh, what, when are we, how are we going to make the next movie? How's that going to happen? It always seems like this stroke of luck, this, this ability to sneak yourself into a position to convince that money to come through. Um, and then when you spend years and years and years and years attempting to get to that point, um, and they give you a green light always, whether it's fucking movies or if it's music videos, it always seems like, especially with music videos and commercials, the clients know how much it costs and they offer you 20% less of that consistently, consistently. So whenever you're bidding on a project or putting in for a project, you're always like, okay, so here's how much it would cost. Now, there's the independent starving filmmaker within me when I'm negotiating things that's like, this is what it would cost for us to do it comfortably. Now, I always use that term, or I used to always use that term, which I shouldn't use. Comfortably for us to be able to do this, this is what it would take. The definition of comfortably for me is, you know, eight to 10 hour day, eight to 10 hour work day. Okay, eight to 10 hour work day. How many of you that work in a nine to five job environment go 12 to 15 hours, right? How many of you, when you're on your shift at your jobs, how many of you would wanna stick around and continue to flip burgers or pull those um, you know, oil pans off of cars for an additional five fucking hours, right? Just doing that alone sucks let alone being someone that is laying cable, pulling cable, unloading heavy trucks on your feet all day. It's, it's a fucking thing, right? And so when I would say to my clients, when I'm trying to get my money, I'd be like, so comfortably, meaning that the crew will be happy, which is ridiculous to say, because ultimately what I'm saying is, is I'm gonna offer the crew a fair wage with fair working time, right? Um, and uh, to make sure that everybody goes home safe and happy. And my response that I always get is, okay, so that's what it, okay, so here's what we have. Here's the budget that we have. Here's some like number that we all sat around in a boardroom and we figured out this is what we could spend. So this is what it is that we're gonna do. So as you're in the business a bit longer, you just sort of go, okay, well, if that's what you have, you've literally shown up to a BMW dealership with enough money for a Honda Civic. So let's pare this down. Let's go into the Honda Civic dealership and maybe we can get it turbocharged or get a couple of extra features on the Civic. Do you like Bluetooth? We'll see if we can install Bluetooth on this fucking thing, right? But then the response is, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. We want a BMW and we think that we deserve the BMW. So here's the money for the Honda Civic. And then we go, well, how does that happen? They go, well, we're already talking to two or three other dealerships that are more than willing to give us the BMW. And you're like, what the fuck? And you call up those other dealerships, i.e. other producers. And you're like, what's going on? It's like, well, we need the work. <laughs> How are you giving them a BMW? Well, you know, my, uh, I've got uh, friends that own uh, parts from this and I have friends that have a camera and I have friends that have that. And so I've convinced them to all pull it together for free. Yeah, but the shot list, the amount of stuff that's on that shot list is ridiculous. The amount of time that I'm gonna spend shooting paint drying on a wall is ridiculous. All those things are just ridiculous indecis indecisiveness and uh, does it need to be that much? Well, yeah, but you know, we need the work. This has happened 
My mic's sinking. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Oh, my God. Fucking unprofessional. Here we go. This has happened in our other industries. And so before I get into what's going on with the strike, let me just compare this to other industries real quick. Okay. So let's talk about, which I've, you've heard me talk about on the show before, let's talk about the corporate video world or the music video world, right? Uh, how long did we have to deal with as music video directors the line that, hey, this isn't going on MTV, so why would we give you the budget that MTV has? And that's how it started. When the platforms like uh, YouTube started, and uh, uh, Vivo and all these different streaming outlets started, it was experimental. They considered it new media, quote unquote, new media, very experimental media. So they're like, we don't know if we're gonna get the return. We don't know if we're gonna get the eyes on this thing. We don't know if this video is going to sell the albums that putting it on MTV would do on a heavy rotation on MTV. Completely understand. Within the first year, completely understand this is all Strange new territory. We don't understand. We don't get it. What was it? Four years, five years later? Even less than that. YouTube is at the top of their fucking game. Turns out that it's actually more useful to release it to a fan base that subscribes specific to that, to that fucking band, to that genre. You actually hit your demographic in a stronger way. When you were doing shit on a heavy rotation on MTV, you had to hope that maybe their fans were watching at that right time on television. But now it's in a subscription service for them. It shows up. When they get home, they get a notification. There it is. We're directly marketing to these people, which means our sales are going up, which means we're selling more concert tickets, which means we're, get, we're reaching a larger audience. We can get um, advertisers. We can get sponsors. We're getting paid per click. So what happens as us, the creators, who have said, sure, we understand when we started this thing, we don't know if this is necessarily going to be successful or not. So we'll give you a break. We'll give you a deal, right? We're in this together. Five years later, you get the calls. So here's the deal. It's not for broadcast. That would always be at the top of the brief. Not for broadcast which essentially means we don't want to pay what we used to pay for this. We don't want to pay union rates. This is non-union. We don't want to pay uh, uh, director's rates the way we're supposed to pay director's rates. And um, if you do this for us, then maybe we'll give you a broadcast one. Fast forward a few more years where MTV's like, fuck it. We're not even going to show music videos anymore. Does the industry change? Do the people at that industry who are now accustomed to paying a quarter of the price, maybe even less than that, are they now like, okay, we get it. This is a whole new outlet for us. It's a whole new medium for us. So let's go back to paying the rates. No, that's not how we work. That's not how we work as a country. That is not how we work in capitalism, right? We got a fucking deal. That deal is now the standard. Well, I assumed that since you were able to pull those things off, that everything that you were charging us before was just over, over what it actually costs. No, I was literally asking for favors. I literally had my fucking grandmother making sandwiches for the fucking crew because I couldn't afford to pay a craft services person. And they go, well, there's a lot of other people that'll still do that. And so then in our industry, who's at fault? Are we at fault? Because we all said, yes, you're right. We need to work. Let's continue to do this. And what have you noticed across the board in our industry? The budgets have plummeted. The payment have plummeted. Career as a music video director is non-existent. Because how do you make an accurate living, an adequate living, unless you're one of the very few very few that have nestled yourselves in smartly with very wealthy artists that pay for their own stuff. But even then, you're seeing music video directors having to be creative directors, having to do all these different tasks to justify what at one point was a career, right? In which you can make a living, in which you can have benefits, in which you can pay for insurance, in which you can pay for 
workers' compensation, all these different things that needed to happen. So that industry got fucking destroyed because of that. And if you look to the industry before that, that got destroyed, it's photography industry, same deal. Same thing happened in the photo industry. And in that industry, it was, well, we're not really gonna do licensing anymore. And now if we're gonna hire you, we're gonna sign you up for a contract that means that we own everything that's shot on the cards and we have all that proof. And we're only gonna pay you uh, like maybe $1,500 for it, right? For a shoot that'll potentially be on an album cover, for a shoot that'll end up on a fucking billboard, for a shoot that will sell the fuck out of whatever hardware that they need to have out of that factory. And what is the reason for that? Well, I mean, my nephew has a DSLR that's the same as yours. So why do I got to hire you? I mean, we can all afford that gear, right? That industry got so fucking desperate that suddenly the corporations were like, well, you know what? We don't even need to go freelance with this. Let's just hire someone on staff. And so then you have a lot of hungry, out of work photographers that are just like, I gotta do something, man. I got a fucking family. I gotta pay for shit. I got insurance needs. I got all this stuff I gotta take care of. What am I gonna do? They're offering me a full-time position. I'll take it. All right, I'll take the full-time position. Then they go in there and then they're on fucking salary. And then when you're on salary in a photography position, suddenly you're being worked to the fucking bone because it doesn't matter how many hours you work. And we all know, especially if you're working for corporations as a photographer, you're, you're required to go to specific events. You're required to go shoot odd times and odd hours and all these different places. And so that was happening for years. And I remember talking to a lot of my friends that were photographers that decided to go that route. And they're like, well, this will be better for me. I'll go and do this stuff. And they get in there. They don't have the supplies they need to do the jobs. They're handed enough work for five people to do on a salary and they're burnt out. And all of them are burnt the fuck out every time. So I wanted to bring those up first to just show you what will happen. Not what could happen, but what will happen. And why do these things happen? I don't know. It's, it's just the corporate mindset. It's the mindset of companies that are publicly traded. It is the mindset of Silicon Valley, right? We're talking about companies. We're talking about companies that had subcontractors within those companies building such cheap parts that they had to set up fucking suicide nets around the buildings because the workers were committing suicide. And how did they respond to the suicide attempts? They set up nets. <laughs> All so that we can get our hands on a super cheap phone that still cost me $1,200. Do you know what I'm saying? So there is this game, there's this battle between greed and between quality of life and between workers. And I firmly believe that a big issue that we have in our country and on the planet is the larger issue, the issue underneath everything, the issue underneath race and gender and all of it, the issue on the very underneath, the dark thing that we all are going to have to face is it comes down to the inequality of money. Always does, the greed, Wealthy versus the poor. It's always that game. And the thing that's so crazy about us as a country is that in the US, the American way of life is you put your head down, you work real hard, you save up your cash, uh, you just put your nose to the grindstone and you can be successful. You can open your own business. You can do all that stuff. That was the way of the baby boomers. That was the way of the post-World War II game, right? Put your nose to the grindstone, Build your stuff. You can open a restaurant. You can open a storefront. You can start a business. Then you can become at least middle class, if not upper middle class. How much of that exists currently? I mean, how many of us assume that we're making an ass load of money because we have all this tech stuff? We have all these toys around us, but how much are you really making at the end of the day? Right? It's pretty crazy. The middle class is sort of d demolished, right? It's nuts.
And so one of the few industries that still kind of has a bit of a grip on fairness to a certain extent. Now, mind you, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on on both sides of this. But let's just say generally, the industry that still kind of has a little bit of grip over things has been the film industry, has been the film working industry, the crew industry. And they've been protected by their unions. Now, before I get all pro-union on you, I just want to say that I have two feelings on it. I feel both ways. Uh, as you know, I've had plenty of folks on this show that work below the line. That solid, like, vertebrae that any idea needs, that any movie needs, are the people that are running cables, pulling cables, unloading trucks, dropping off gear, uh, locking up sets, making sure the talent gets to set on time, making sure that their hair looks great, their skin looks great, making sure that clothes are picked out, uh, uh, grabbed from stores, returned to stores, multiple days, multiple hours of driving, multiple hours of standing on your feet, consistently over the shoulder, waiting there, a part of your team, a part of your crew. And if you've ever directed a crew for a period of time, whether it's a feature or you worked on a crew for a period of time, whether it's a feature or a commercial or even a short fucking film, you understand, at least I do, by the end as a director, you'll find me standing in front of all these folks with tears in my eyes, just understanding how much they've given up for my idea for just this thing that I, that I sketched down on a page, how much they've given up for me, whether it's time out of their lives, oftentimes it's whether or not it's health. I mean, when we did 12KM, uh, my poor wardrobe uh, person was, was rushing that morning and she, uh, she like fell down her stairs, her front stairs and twisted her ankle and ended up, she called me in tears. I can't believe I did this and I know you need me there today and I, this is such an important day. I'm like, you fucking hurt yourself. <laughs> don't come in. Like, don't come in. Like, go to the hospital. Go take care of yourself. It is totally fine. I will try to figure this out. You're completely respected. You're completely loved and everything you've done for this movie is so important to me. But you fucking hurt yourself. And that is so much more important than any of this shit. So go take care of yourself. And she was such a sweetheart about it. And she went to the hospital and she demanded to come to set in a wheelchair just to point out what needed to be done. And we were able to get other folks to help her out. But still, that's how committed people are to you. Unreal. Hold on. I, I got to stop this for a sec, guys. One sec. Sorry about that. We're back. It's funny to me because people will come up and look in my front window and see me talking to a microphone and still hit the doorbell. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So what I was saying is that um, I feel such a real personal connection to anybody that decides to work on my movie. And I feel a responsibility to folks to come and work on my stuff. I just do. It's part of the empathy that is required for being a human being, let alone being a director. Um, and so... When I hear stories, and I've heard horror stories from sets, I've heard horror stories from like slimy producers and folks that have had really shitty things happen to them, like uh, food not being provided, uh, adequate turnover time uh, not being done. And what is turnover time? A lot of times when you're working on a movie, right? Look at what's happening when you watch your film. You have scenes that happen during the day and scenes that happen during the night. And so what happens in the scheduling is that you do a full day and then you go into night stuff. Well, you got to give people an adequate amount of time to sleep in between the day and the night scenes, which ends up becoming a scheduling nightmare and you kind of lose time in those weeks and those days provided. But it needs to be done for human beings to be able to work safely. <laughs> anyway, so... Where was I going as I got on this fucking rant? So, two sides to the story. I hear these horror stories about producers, about companies taking advantage of people. 
because at the end of the day, it's about the bottom dollar. It's the bottom line. It's some random fucking budget that is decided in a room somewhere. And then you have a person that is in charge of that account and the accountability of that account. And they sit there and go, we will not fucking tolerate overages. We will not tolerate uh, overspending on this at all. But here's the contract that you've signed. Here's the script that's been approved. Here are the shot lists that are approved. And this is what you have to provide for us. Here you go, Mr. Line Producer. Here you go, Mr. Executive Producer. You need to pull this off, right? So that comes from the top. Now, before I get too deep into that, I've heard and seen the other end of the spectrum with unions. And from the outside, you hear how much they're getting paid, how much they get paid per day or per hour, how much they get paid for overtime and time and a half. And you look at a lot of these guys and, and women that are sitting around, seemingly sitting around. Now, if you work on a film set, you know that a lot of your job is waiting. So there is a lot of sitting around and there's a lot of waiting. But these are also the type of folks that are complaining about things and complaining about whether or not they're getting craft services the correct way. There's a lot of complaints, both ends. Um, and in the past, there's been a lot of shenanigans with union stuff. And as an independent filmmaker back in Boston, I was harassed by the union, the union that was giving me shit over my productions and not making those go union when they were not even film productions or television productions. And they were just small things that I was shooting in my house. <laughs> it just hit a point where they were in a dead season and a slow season and they had to shake the trees a little bit. And that was a pain in my ass too. So I understand both ends of the spectrum. I also understand that at the end of the day, it's about protecting the men and women that work in that industry. Both sides of the fence, there are people that are taking advantage of the system on both sides. So I just want to say that right up front right? And so when you hear about a strike and you hear about something going on, I just sort of go, okay, what's happening? Why now? What's going on? Is there, obviously there's a pot of money somewhere that people are fucking battling over. What's going on here, right? And so before I got on here and opened my mouth and started to rant about bullshit, like, which I am, um, I wanted to talk to a bunch of folks and go, okay, what's happening? A bunch of folks that I know that are in the union, in, in IATSE, because I am not. I am still non-union, um, and I am just non-union because I haven't had the opportunity to to do it, to sign up. It does, it's not something that makes sense for me yet. Um, and so I talked to a bunch of the people to get uh, a bit of response to what's going on. And so let me... Uh, read you some stuff off their website right now. So here's what's going on. IOTC basic agreement. Uh, so they're negotiating for sustainable benefits. IOTC members appreciate the excellent pension and health coverage the motion picture industry has afforded us. The IOTC locals are solid and united in their request that the employers continue to provide the funding necessary to secure sustainable benefits. Um, and benefits being like health coverage, uh, workers' comp, all that stuff that you would have to provide to a full-time employee if you're working in a regular business. Um, so the big argument right now is uh, with, which, the, which they cleverly write here as the not-so-new media. Uh, new media is now the industry standard and growing exponentially. This is not just about streaming companies among the most valuable corporations on the planet, but also about the studios and networks who our members labor has facilitated their ability to complete and succeed. So that's something that they're trying to fight for. And they're also fighting for what they're saying here, reasonable rest. Reasonable rest demands that the employees not treat our members like machines that can work until they are broken. Everyone needs and deserves a real and meaningful rest period between shifts to provide for a decent night's sleep. Can you imagine you're just fighting for a decent night's sleep? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? So let's, uh, let's dig right into this a little bit further. Uh, hold on here. Let me open this up. There's nothing like listening to Mike read off the internet. 
On some new media projects, members are not even paid a specific scale wage or credited with pension hours. Uh, union members have contributed their skills and artistry to these projects uh, while the budgets have exploded. In 2009, IOTC and the studios mutually recognized that the economics of new media production were uncertain and that their greater flexibility in terms and conditions of, un of employment were mutually beneficial. This is simply no longer the case and the benefits are no longer mutual. It is time for employees to recognize um, the superseding concept they negotiated uh, the, that same year that if and when new media production became an economical viable medium, then the parties will mutually recognize the fact in future agreements. Uh, new media is now the industry standard and growing exponentially. This is not just about streaming companies among the most valuable corporations on the planet. Uh, so essentially, they're confronting what we confronted as music video directors with the death of MTV and the rise of YouTube. And uh, we're now seeing how profitable these streaming services are to the point where many of the studios are now reneging on their contracts for fucking uh, like uh, theater releases. And in those contracts for theater releases, which you guys saw, I'm sure many of you read about what happened with Scarlett Johansson and everything. A lot of the actors are promised uh, bonuses. A lot of the, I know the directors are promised bonuses. A lot of folks that are on the above the line of promised bonuses based upon the box office uh, numbers. And so if you're no longer in the box office, uh, then you can't get those bonuses, right? And look, from the outside, looking up, you're like, how much money do those people need? How much money do these people need? Let's just talk a little bit about what it's like to work on a crew, on a film set crew. And I think one of the most interesting things, uh, one of my buddies sent me this, let me see if I can pull it up. There is an Instagram account called IATSE Stories. Now, <clears throat> none of these have been confirmed. Stand by, fixing this microphone again. All right, tighten that up. There we go. Maybe you'll stay this time? Okay. All right, let's see here. Uh, take these with a grain of salt. None of this stuff's been confirmed, but these are just posts that are put up that people submit. Um, let me see if I could find one that is, here's the one that's fascinating. Uh, and these are all, um, anonymous and they're just posted on this, uh, Instagram account called IA underscore stories. I am an executive and I worked my way up from a production assistant. So many others have not worked any of the jobs below them. What does that mean? So many others have not worked any of the jobs below them and enjoy the status of being an EP over the responsibility of taking care of the crew. Producers who push for better working conditions are quickly overruled and often labeled, quote unquote, not a team player or difficult to work with. The networks have made it clear that any whistleblowing or bad press immediately results in the banishment from the industry. It was just dangerous, right? Let's see. Uh, let's see. There's another one, <clears throat> uh, leaked from a department wide meeting at a major streaming studio, labor relations team told attendees, we don't think we're going to strike because IATSE is mostly grunt workers living paycheck to paycheck. They can't afford to strike. Can you imagine? <laughs> Why are we surprised by any of this? Um, you know, here's another one. You know, what's funny. The fact that we need to hear stories of 14, 18 hour work days for people to get riled up. You know, what's crazy 12 hour days. The fact that that hardly sets off any alarms to show how far we've normalized this work slash life imbalance. Pretty nuts. Let's see. Okay. Let me read this one fresh. A former uh, studio exec before pilot or series went, we'd always have a meeting to talk over the major production costs. In those meetings, studio and network execs would say, uh, double how much we have in here for extras, or let's add a producer or director. Often these casual changes increased and decreased the episode budget by hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
Uh, I never once heard them say anything that reflected a concern for the crew or the hours. The basic human needs the human is demanding are completely affordable for these giant conglomerates. Uh, they can just do it all with a stroke of a pen. They just don't want to. Ooh, getting some nasty posts in here. Um, let me see if I can find another one. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, here's an interesting one. I've worked a non-union dock for over a decade long. Uh, I've had no shortage of my 18-hour days, weeks on end, no proper breaks, UTIs and kidney infections from not having time to go to the bathroom, uh, one time working for 36 hours straight, I mean straight, for $125 flat. It's ridiculous. Why did you say yes to that? But also it's ridiculous. Uh, I've done this dreaming of one day jumping uh, into streams with the promise of union. Reading these stories breaks my heart, uh, but not nearly to the extent that these individuals' bodies and spirits are being broken. Your non-scripted brothers and sisters stand by you. Um, so yeah, check it out. Go read this stuff. It's interesting to read what people think. And like I said, take it with a grain of salt because every once in a while you read something and you go, okay, whatever, buddy. But um, you can't ignore the fact that people uh, die on sets and people die from heat stroke. People die from lack of sleep. Um, people die behind the wheel trying to get home after a long day. A friend of mine wrote to me and said, several of my Boston crew friends are working on that show where a teamster had a heart attack from heat exhaustion, died, and they had a moment of silence, and then they went and worked another 13-hour day. Right? So you can't deny the fact that people need time to rest. People need time to have their lives and to run their lives. And we're now in this time period where everybody wants to binge content and networks are desperate for long running content because it's about subscribers now. It's not about people showing up to a theater. It's not about people dropping $20 on a movie or $18 on a film. Now it's about time. Time is the new currency. Time is how these companies make their money. Subscription, long-term subscription time which means that they need to do stuff on a larger scale. The interesting thing is, is that they also have to compete with the stuff that was done prior to this. Like look at shows like Sopranos. The Sopranos changed everything. Production value on that show, the quality of writing on that show, it changed television. Raise the bar, Breaking Bad, raise the bar. So now all of these streaming services have to be that big. It blows my mind. I talk to my friends that are assistant directors on these shows, the amount of pages, the amount of hours that are required to shoot stuff for a series at the level and then the price point, because you're talking about shooting what would be a normal feature film quality wise for 12 hours, because you need what, 12 episodes, an hour a piece, it's insane. And then when you look at what their production schedule is, it's what? Two months, three months? What? You're doing 12 movies <laughs> in that time period. And when you look at the quality of this stuff, right? Let's not, you know, let's not, let's not pay attention to the fact that like I often have trouble with like, oh great, we're shooting in a warehouse again. Oh, there's two people talking in this space. Let's just look at the tech skills. Uh, before we do that, I'm going to fucking throw this microphone out the goddamn window. Knock it off. Um, let's just look at the skills, right? So you look at the cinematography on these shows. It's gorgeous. The lighting is gorgeous. These are guys working at the top of their game. These are women shooting the best stuff that they've ever shot in their life. They finally have the opportunity to do this thing. So you look at these friends, you go, oh my God. And then... I don't know if you guys go to those Instagram accounts. There's a bunch of really great gaffer accounts and lighting uh, accounts. And you look at the setups required for these things. And you look at the rigging that's required for this. And the people that are doing dangerous work. Dangerous work. I remember talking to uh, a key grip buddy of mine. 
and he was working on a large movie and they were doing this uh, bit on a boat. I'll probably screw this up, but I'll try it. We were doing this thing on a boat that required green screen and this boat was like slightly off a dock and they had to fly like uh, diffusion, like this massive frame of diffusion that's built on like concert rigging rails, huge heavy thing and then a green screen heavy thing. And his job was to test how sturdy the dock was and decide whether or not it could hold the weight of the multiple cranes. Cranes. We're talking construction shit. We're talking engineering. Dangerous stuff. Helicopter pilots that do insane stunt work, fly under power lines, fly underneath tunnels and chase cars that are exploding and stuff goes all over the place. Dangerous work. And just down to the simplest thing, that PA that is required to run all over the place, that PA that is required to go do uh, returns at the end of a 13-hour of day, and that PA that has to drive with sagging eyelids through rainstorm back home to try to get six hours of sleep before he's required to be the first one on set again. That's the industry. That's the fight. And that's always the fight with what we do. Because there's a huge divide between the folks at the top that are buying it and watching it and the folks that actually have to unload things, and set things up and put things together. There's a massive divide between those folks. And what I try to do on this show is educate as many of you as possible on what it's like to be that person that's unloading the cable, what it's like to be on that set for long periods of time, what it's like to try to convince these clients to give you that budget, how long you wait for your opportunity and you cross your fingers that you're not fucking up. And you're not going to screw up your, your chances of doing it. And I get it. As a filmmaker, at the end of the day, this is all about money. And it's not just making people money, but it's understanding that what we like to see, what we take for granted as viewers, costs millions of dollars to make. A piece of shit that we see on television and we write a bad review for or in the movie theater and we go, that movie fucking sucked. That movie cost millions of dollars. That movie took hours out of individuals' lives. Someone got divorced because of that fucking movie. And even worse, someone died because of that movie. We don't respect this. We don't appreciate this. We don't care. And so when you talk about these corporations and you talk about the people that are shareholders, you talk about the folks that are running these things, these aren't lizard people. <laughs> Let's be real. These aren't robots. This isn't the Illuminati. There isn't a room where these people are handshaking. And I'll tell you this, the people that are telling me these budgets, men, women, it doesn't make a difference. This is just our mentality as it's all business. This isn't personal. This is business. Always comes back to that again. And so I think at the end of the day, that's what this is about. I think at the end of the day, what the union is trying to do at surface value, as much as I understand about it, is take care of the folks that are working for them and to protect their industry so that it doesn't go the way of photographers and of music video directors and of like commercial directors. <laughs> and let's be real. We understand how Silicon Valley works and that's where a lot of this comes from. 
We're talking about the companies that make our phones. We're talking about the companies that manufacture hardware. We're talking about the companies that are subscription-based streaming services. And now even the studios are jumping on that bandwagon. And let's be real, those studios have been bought out and owned by those companies. For years, they've been bought out and owned by these companies. And so look at their track record. Fuck, look what happened with the, the car service stuff. I just heard this recently, and you heard me bitching about it as that, uh, uh, that ballot that went through. And remember those commercials if you're here in California? Like, let the drivers choose their life. Being a freelancer, you know, they can do all sorts of different things. Choose your life, be free. All that fucking bullshit, remember that? And I'm just sitting here going, this is just these companies not wanting to pay benefits. This is just these companies not wanting to, uh, to pay for it. Thankfully, a California judge ruled that unconstitutional and tossed it out, defining that Uber and Lyft drivers, <laughs> they were trying to say that Uber and Lyft drivers are independent contractors, uh, and they threw it out because they're not. <laughs> so these businesses do this all the time consistently and we support it we allow this stuff to happen so if there's going to be a strike and if there's a strike for human rights and we're talking about human rights here we're talking about the right to sleep we're talking about the right for hours then i get that there's going to be issues on both ends because i've talked to some folks that are like look if you're only allowed to work a certain amount of hours the hourly workers aren't going to make as much money as they would when they went into penalties and they went into overtime. Because that's something that we also have to address here. That when you did go into those penalties and you did go into 15-hour days and you did go into that stuff, you got paid adequately for that. Overtime, time and a half, double time. All that stuff would come through. So you'd make a big fat fucking paycheck. Where it starts to suck is where it's expected because it's still cheaper for them to do it that way than it is to add a whole nother day, right? So then it's expected of you. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're fired. You don't do that, you're not gonna have the job. So then you have to do that. So when you're younger and you're starting, you're like, fuck yeah, I'll do this, I'll bang this out, I'll make a big ass fucking paycheck. But then when you have a husband at home that's pissed off because he hasn't seen you in three weeks and doesn't know where the relationship's standing and you just need a break to go home and deal with your shit, you know, or like your kids don't know your name, or let's just be more basic about it. You're exhausted. You were trimming the hair on an actor and you almost cut their fucking ear off because you were dozing off. <laughs> right? So I get it. I hope that uh, the strike goes well. I hope that the negotiations go well. I hope that it really is just what surface value, what it looks like. I hope there isn't shenanigans happening on the union's part. And I hope there, there's always shenanigans happening on the other part. And I just wanted to talk about this and take it all with a grain of salt because what the fuck do I know, right? I just want you to think about this more. I want you to think about what goes into this stuff. And I want you to understand, um, why would you see something like this happen? What is actually going on? And at the end of the day, it really all comes back down onto us, the viewers, the subscribers. If these streamers, which they've done, I don't know if you've noticed, but I had all my subscription costs go up recently. If these streamers wrote an email to us and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge you an extra dollar, dollar fifty per month promising that that billion, whatever that would make them, how many subscribers do they have? Billion? That billion will go towards below the line wages. What would you say? Would you huff and puff? Ugh, man, this stuff, I don't want to pay for that. Would it be more appealing to you if they're like, look, we're going to charge a dollar more because uh, we want to do more content and we want to have longer running series 
So we're going to charge you a dollar more so that way we can shoot more shows and not put that money towards a show, but more shows. And then the quality in which you're requiring, the quality in all our keyboardists out there, keyboard warriors that are out there, that are like, the show looks like shit. Uh, that just means that uh, within that restrained budget, restrained time period, those poor assholes that are pulling cables out and uh, unloading camera gear uh, have to work longer and harder. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. Something to think about. I'm not doing sponsors on today's episode. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go much longer. I think I've ranted and raved enough. And uh, hopefully I haven't shot myself in the foot by saying a lot of the stuff. But, you know, I feel a certain responsibility to at least address it and try to understand it some more. And hold on. I promise I'll have this microphone fixed by the next episode. It's underpaid. It's tired. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I always feel like when I finish these things, because um, I don't write anything down like an idiot, and I feel like I'm just all over the place, and I went one way in one direction, and I half has went in the other direction. I just, just know that my heart goes out to folks um, that make our jobs possible. Um, my heart goes out to those people that take a chance on directors and that take a chance on ideas. Um, my heart goes out to those financiers that take a chance on an idea, knowing that the risk is high. Um, and my heart goes out to the people, the men and women that get in front of the camera and they give their their souls to us so that we can sit at home and, and, and enjoy it. That's what this industry is. It's this delicate balance of finance and art and labor. And, uh, I love the art and labor part because that's where I come from. And, um, I'm starting to understand the finance part and I have such a, a huge respect uh, to the men and women that do understand it and that are honest and that uh, really do care about art. And I think the big issue that we're facing right now is that commerce outweighs the artistry in our industry. And uh, you can argue that it's been that way and it's always been that, that game, but I think that there was this period in time where during the 70s, it's shifted, right? Because the studios were, were, were going out of business. They were freaking out. People weren't going to see that stuff. And they turned to the artists. And just for a little while, the artists ran the show. And you got your Spielbergs. You got all those folks. Um, and they still had to answer to the money. But they were running the show a bit more. And people were more intrigued by that. And we hit a period uh, lately where... People are more interested in what do you subscribe to? What gear do you own? Uh, what phone do you have? And so we've just given a lot of power over to the, uh, the boardrooms and the shareholders. So let's please try not to have every aspect of my industry uh, become slave labor. You know, at some point you have to be working towards a goal. At some point you do a bunch of free stuff with the idea that uh, your work will be seen and then that you will adequately be paid for your time. And there needs to be a place where that happens. There needs to be an end goal. Because if not, then you're just sort of swimming in this cesspool that goes nowhere. Ask any photographer right now about it. You know, anyway, not to be depressing. That isn't the point of this. I just wanted to sort of start a conversation. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? Do you think I'm a fucking moron? Write to me on uh, Instagram at Mike Petchy. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'll read your comments on future episodes. I will have folks on the show to discuss this so I can learn more about it. Uh, and I'm not just sort of doing my homework 
within the past couple of days quickly. And I just sort of understand more about it because let me be completely transparent. I am not a union person. I haven't been a union person. I don't understand the intricacies of that. Um, and then I, um, I've never been a producer that has to do a feature film and, and negotiate with them, negotiate with IATSE, negotiate with the actors union, negotiate with all of them. I've never done that. Um, in other news, big shout out and congratulations to one of the In Love With The Process guests, uh, Leslie Linka Gladder. She is uh, was just put in as the head of the DGA, right? Is she the president of the DGA? That's what I heard. Um, I'm just double checking my stuff here. Do, 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 do. Yes. Leslie Linka Gladder is elected DGA president. She is the second woman to hold the post. Uh, she's fucking great. She's a great guest. She's a really good person. Um, and uh, she really believes in equality in the industry and she creates the opportunity for that. Um, and uh, I think that's fantastic. So big shout out. And if you guys haven't heard the episode, go back, check it out, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and click on our director section and go listen to the episode with uh, Leslie. She was, uh, she's incredibly experienced. She's had so much time in this field. Um, I don't see a better person to be president of the DGA than her. So really good stuff. Um, all right, guys and girls, that is it. That's today's episode. Hope you guys appreciated it. And I'm gonna leave you with more from my bud uh, Big Black Delta. Thanks for listening.
And she told me that she loved me And she gave me my 